It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Jamie Lagarde, CEO of Sidera Health. Jamie is a successful serial entrepreneur and experienced executive with a consistent track record of rapidly accelerating top-line growth, improving profitability, and building successful organizations. His functional experience spans new technology implementation, launching startups, streamlining operations, and he is seasoned in leveraging his background from a variety of executive management roles. As CEO of Sidera, Jamie brings over 15 years of healthcare experience and over 20 years of operational and information technology expertise to the team. His daily mission is to empower individuals to form better collaborative partnerships with their healthcare providers and to radically change the way we pay for healthcare one member at a time. Jamie Lagarde, welcome into the corner office. Grant, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, it's great to have you here. And as we were just talking a little bit before the show, boy, what an interesting time for the health industry. And uh, we're going to be uh, releasing this, of course, a month or two for now. But we're about, what, about three weeks in, I guess, to a national shutdown for the most part. I know that you're living in or near a major metropolitan city, as am I. And uh, we're all kind of sequestering at home. And gosh, we want to talk a little bit about that as we get a little bit further into the podcast. But uh, we live in very interesting times, don't we, Jamie? We're not bored. And, and obviously, our, <laughs> our our thoughts and and prayers are with people who are who are actually dealing with this uh, terrible virus yes. and and thinking of the, the the amazing healthcare workers that are helping these patients on an hourly to uh, every single day. Um, but yes, we live in a very interesting times, and how do we keep our our companies operating in such right. difficult circumstances? Is um, taking a lot taking up a lot of cycles these days. So. Well, we're, we're going to get a chance to talk about that. And we hope that those that are listening at home are healthy and well and sheltering Absolutely. in place. And uh, obviously, uh, with regards to enjoying this podcast, uh, we always start our podcast, Jamie, just learning a little bit about you and in your early years. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what your early family life was like. So happy to. Um, so I, I grew up in uh, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, mm -hmm. which is one of the places that's places that's struggling right now with yes. this with this virus. But I I had a an amazing childhood, uh, and um, you know was. But I I would say the the best way to describe me um, in in my early years was 
Uh, I think I wore out my father asking him so many questions. <laughs> I mean, I, Dad, what is what does this do? What is how does this work? Um, do you have another one of these, or or you know, just wanting to understand? And a lot of it was high science. degree of curiosity. It uh, sounds like uh, mm-hmm. t- annoyingly. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, I, whether it was my father is a, is a, I call him a kitchen architect. He mm. designs, uh, amazing kitchens for, for in remodels and in new homes and, and oversees their implementation installation. And so I got to go on to lots of home improvement projects mm. and walk on to all these different projects. And, yeah. and it was fascinating. Was he in the construction industry or design or, or kind of both? Well, really, really the design of a kitchen. Uh, he'd work with various manufacturers on the outside to kind of bring his vision to life for his client. And mm-hmm. so he still that does that to this day. Um, but it's everything from uh, the cabinets to the appliances, the wow. countertop, and then it's functional design. Like if someone is really in there and, and, you know, what is the best organization for the kitchen for somebody who's cooking in there every day versus somebody who wants to set it up as kind of a a show space. And for, so that was the world that I grew up in it. So was was he, was he an entrepreneur? Did he run his own company? Was he working for others? He, he started his, he started his own business, which really kind of was a spin out of his father's business. When his father passed away, he inherited that business, which was a mortgage and loan business. Um, but then he kind of used the mortgage and loan business to kind of bootstrap this kitchen design mm, company. Cool. And what about mom? Did she work from the home or was she involved in the business as well? She was involved with the business from time to time, but um, I was, I'm the oldest of four. Okay. And so um, I was a handful all by myself, let alone my three <laughs> siblings. Uh, so between the four of us, she had a full-time job and a I half, can imagine. helped yeah. my dad a little bit in the family business and then was a piano teacher. So, um, right, right. so uh, that was, she was, she, she, I would say she had the she had uh, the full time job. <laughs> she had the full time job and the harder job, and I might get in trouble with my father for saying that, but it's the truth. Oh, I got it. Great. Well, listen, we're both members of C twelve, a peer advisory Christian owners business group. I'm up in Connecticut. What were you a member, Jamie? Uh, in Austin, Texas. So down in Austin, right, right. So kind of at the heart center of things with our founder, or rather our current CEO and our founder, not too close by. Um, tell me a little bit about you know the way Christ played a role in your upbringing. Were you born into a Christian household? Was that uh, a path that you found later? Uh, no, I, I was lucky enough to um, to grow up in a in a household and have surrounded by a family um, that uh, faith our mm. faith life was very central to it. So grew up Catholic, yes. still practice that today, and right. um, and was uh, went to some amazing a uh, uh, Catholic elementary school and a Catholic high school and. Um, Jesuit inspired, I presume. Or? Yep, at Jesuit yeah. High School mm-hmm. in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and a, a small little elementary school in uptown New Orleans called Holy Name and and of Jesus. Nice. And it was, um, uh, you know, it, I thought so much of the experience that we have. My wife and I have three kids, and uh, they all go to a a very similar school um, to to what I experienced in New right. Orleans here in Austin, uh, because it was it was so foundational for me personally for Christ to be an active part Mm. of the education process that we wanted that for our kids. Very fundamental. Awesome. Who were some of your other um, inspirations in childhood? Was there a favorite coach or teacher or or nun or priest (laughs) that was perhaps involved in your life? Well, you know, I I would say the, the, 
um, one that the first one that jumps out to mind for me um, was a was a, a math professor by the name of uh, Mr. Metzinger, uh-huh. uh, who I haven't talked to. Gosh, and I can't I can't even remember the last time I saw him. But high school, middle school, high school. Was it high was school high school, school. and he was an, uh, just an amazing math teacher. Um, and he brought it. I was already a nerd um, and <laughs> and loved math and science, and I. You know, growing up in my early years, I was definitely uh, shy and quiet, uh, and that changed over time. Uh, now people say they can't get me to shut up, but uh, <laughs> but Mr. Metzinger was uh, uh, he brought math to life for mm. me, and uh, in a way that I I could see how the things I was learning there could really solve problems. And it, you know, I I think one of the things that you know. I feel, I tell people all the time. I say I feel like I have a pretty limited skill set, um, but one of the things that I'm pretty good at is solving problems. And math mm. is a tool that I was able to say, "Hey, wait a second! I can figure out how to get things done with the things that I'm learning in Mr. Metzinger's class." So, my path of engineering and science and computer science—if uh, I were to see him anytime soon—I um, would uh, give him a lot of the credit. Well, a nice call out to him. And we make sure he gets a copy of the podcast because I'm sure you'll love to hear about that. Uh, the teachers I know and the ones I've had in the past, you know, and remembered, you know, I, I remember more the teachers I had than necessarily the tools or things that I've learned, but uh, they can have such an impression. Were you a good student in school, Jamie? You know, I was an okay student. Um, good in uh, math, it sounds like. Good in math. I was <laughs> I was always good in math um, and uh, got in and then started off some classes were harder than others i was never a fan of biology uh, right. this, the 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 smell of the of doing the the frog <laughs> the frogs, in biology yes. uh, it's the like formaldehyde I, I, yes. I could not i was never <laughs> headed for medical school you know all you had to say was that and and that 10th grade experience came back into my nostrils <laughs> <laughs> i think i had the same That's, aversion i mean did. i i should have walked around with a with a close you know a, what do you call <laughs> close it Cl- close pin on my nose <laughs> and I might have gotten a better grade in that oh class. I didn't gosh. do bad, but I didn't do, I didn't do, I didn't do, I, uh, it was definitely not an A. Yeah. Uh, but I knew that wasn't the science path I was going to take. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say as I'm more, as I, you know, after having experiences like Mr. Metzinger and some, you know, whether in, in, and in college, as I started to take classes and have experience outside of school, that my grades actually continue to improve. Mm. Um, you know, when I got to college, um, you know, my, my best year in best year and a half in college were my final year and a half in college. And it was the most difficult classes, of course, your 400 level classes, but it was because I had a laser like focus of what I was trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What about outside of class, sports, music, theater, any of those things interest you? You know, I, I love sports. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was, uh, um, I think my parents were afraid I'd get injured if I played football and, um, <laughs> rightly so now uh, yeah, that we see the statistics, you know, were, 20, 30 years later. Absolutely. Uh, my, the sport I locked in on and still play, uh, today is tennis and, yeah. um, loved it, love that sport would travel around at an amateur level and play various tournaments around the cool. state. And it, and, you know, I, a, a guy I went to college with, saw me play football in an intramural team and, and saw me play, you know, I guess he, it was really in football. And he came up to me, he said, you know, Lagarde, 
uh, he says, you're, you're, you're crude, but effective. And so that's been, that's <laughs> story been, of your life. <laughs> that's been kind of my tagline when it comes to sports. Uh, I love it. I love that, it. That's how I'm perceived. So I was good enough to get the, to, to score some points or, or, uh, or, and, you know, support my team, but, uh, I was never going to shower myself in glory and, and do anything professional by any means. Right. Right. What about entrepreneurial things? It sounds like, you know, dad was an entrepreneur. Were there things that you did in your younger days, whether it was a paper route or selling Christmas cards that you were involved with and making some extra pocket money? You know, I, I, I started off, actually, I didn't want to, um, I, I was very introverted in those early years of high school and college. As a kid, I had a uh, Texas Instruments, I think it was like a TI-99 4A or something oh, like that. It was yes. an old computer. Right. Uh, well, it is, you know, it was new back then, but it was, and I learned basic uh, basic programming on that thing. Uh, and I would spend hours uh, mm. working on that device. Mm. And mm. Um, uh, I didn't have a, any kind of memory device to be able to store the programs I wrote. So right. after I turned it off, everything would be gone and it might be <laughs> hundreds of lines of code. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, but I, I mean, that's, those were the things that I got involved with sure. uh, at an early age. Oh, you went on to college, uh, University of Mississippi. It looks like you got two um, bachelor degrees, right? One in engineering, telecommunications, and one in computer science. Tell us a little bit about the choice of going there and, uh, you know, some of the things that you experienced during those years. You know, it was, for a little while, I thought I was actually going to head towards music school, but mm. I really was drawn towards um, engineering more. And, um, you know, I had some family members who had gone to the University of Mississippi and okay. Um, and so, you know, when you combine, wouldn't have been a natural choice growing up in Louisiana, right? I mean, you've well, got Tulane yeah. and lots of other good schools nearby. You know, there was, there was a lot of good choices. I mean, I had a lot of people from high school that went to LSU and that's mm -hmm. obviously a fine right. school as well. Yeah. Uh, an arch rival though. Of course. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but no, I, 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 you know, the university of Mississippi had the various programs that I thought I might want to venture into and. And I got a, a you know, a scholarship from them. And so wow. it was, and not too far away from home. So I could drive home every once in a while on a long weekend. And so that was kind of led to the choice. Was that an academic scholarship or tennis related? Uh, oh, no, not definitely not tennis. Remember that, <laughs> remember that crude, but effective uh, comment. Uh, but it was, a, it was an academic scholarship. Yeah. And, awesome. and um, you know, so I, I went there and uh, jumped into engineering school and it was uh, electrical engineering. And I, and the reason I, I could say the reason why I have two degrees is because mm -hmm. I switched majors. I was on the electrical engineering path right. until my junior year. And I remember a particular class where I was studying about the mathematics behind how a, trans, a transistor worked. Mm. And I was just bored out of my mind. It's like, I did not care <laughs> about how the, the, the mathematics, and that sounds awful, but I just didn't You're care. You're more about, interested in what it did. Right. I'm more interested in what it yeah, did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so I, uh, so I switched to computer science mm. and, and, um, and had a lot of hours to make up, but it was the, it was absolutely the right call and, uh, and loved, um, loved making the change. But when I was wrapping up my, my computer science degree, I had all these electrical engineering hours. So it was only adding about eight or you know, eight, 12 hours additional to get right. a second degree in general engineering with an emphasis in telecommunications. So, yeah. so I was like, okay, I might as well do that as well. What was the first job out of college, Jamie? So the first job out of college, I did an internship 
mm. um, during college uh, for a company um, that, and that really helped my focus in college. I left from Ole Miss and took a job with a startup company in Austin, Texas, um, uh, wh- that was that was doing uh, electronic medical records work for hospitals. Oh, um, interesting. And uh, so you got, got into healthcare quite early, but I know quite, you came back out of it again later, right? I'd, correct. Yeah, correct. you've done and a so, little bit of a weave, but that's but my, just your first job was in the industry. It was. It was. Mm. It was. A, it was a, that intersection of software mm. uh, development and you know software engineering and healthcare. And got exposed to the working world and and you know what life would be like in Austin and a company like this, mm. and I absolutely loved it. Awesome. And so I did this internship. I actually I scared my parents because I <laughs> I took what was supposed to be a summer internship and extended it all the way to December. Wow! And uh, and they didn't think I was. They gonna thought go you were going to come college. back, right? They yeah. didn't think I was going to go back to college. <laughs> but I made a commitment and I did it. And yeah. I went back in January. And then I got back in January and I said I'm going to load up with as many hours as I possibly can mm. and graduate as quickly as I possibly can. And that's what I did. I moved off campus and got it done. And I went back to work for that same company. Same company. Yeah. They must uh-huh. have liked me enough. I must not have messed up <laughs> things too bad. Uh, so I like went it. to work for that first company, that, that same company as a, as a systems and network engineer. Did you have leadership responsibilities fairly early on? Um, I did mm-hmm. about um, what happened in. was, um, you know, they they brought me in to be a a. a to, to, to support all their, you know, uh, computer systems and the network that they were right. oper- that they were operating there, but they quickly wanted to get me involved with customer implementations and professional services. And mm. so, what happened was is that I got they started putting me in two different places, and so we had to hire up a couple of people to support some of the routine, you know, IT related tasks. Right. So I started right. to so I had an IT team that I managed while I was working with clients, um, you know, around the country on the healthcare side. What are some of the earliest leadership lessons you learned, say, from bosses and mentors? Good and bad. You know, sometimes uh, it's the observation of others and what they do uh, can be some of the more meaningful impacts on how we work with others. Do you recall any of those early uh, memories? Yeah, I t- the t- you know, boy, did I have a lot to learn. Um, I-, I would say that two that came that... The, the the two that really struck out to me early on was um, keep th- things simple and clear. Mm. Keeping things simple and clear was really important for when I was communicating to members of the team. Right. Um, of you know being a new manager, I was sort of taken back that um, how often I wasn't doing a good job communicating, or somebody wasn't hearing the direction I was saying, and. Um, I, I needed to make sure that what I was saying was simple and clear. And two, it, it made sense to go, if it was important, I should go over it more than once. Right. Um, and so that for me was kind of a key, um, those were some key things that, um, I learned to, to do and, uh, I found pretty helpful. That's do you remember the first, on. do you remember the first time you started managing people? I do. Yeah. Um, that? that was at that same company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was probably about a year and after I started and I was right. interviewing for the role and it was the first time that I had, you know, my manager helped me write up the job descriptions and, yeah. but I was interviewing these guys who were just, you know, were about to graduate and they were just two or three years younger than I was. And at first I was like, am I, am I ready to do this? <laughs> um, 
but you know, from the hiring process to, um, um, to, to onboarding them into the company, those were all brand new experiences for me, uh, right there in my, you know, in my, my mid twenties. So uh, we talked a little earlier on about you kind of got into healthcare to start, weaved out and then came back in. Give us just a little uh, thinking behind, you know, your your affiliation with the industry and, you know, kind of what you've liked about it and and bring us up to speed with, uh, you know, what's, what you're doing today at Sidera. Happy to. I like being part of a challenge. I, I again, talking to this kind of um, core part about me um, of, I like trying to solve big problems and, and innovating in, in those areas where there's inefficiencies. And so that's, that's what I'd love to do. Um, and so this intersection of, of, you know, for this company that I was going to work for the software company and then healthcare just made a lot of sense. And I've loved being in the healthcare space. I've left it for a while. I'm now in it um, now as, as CEO of Sidera. I've been CEO now for about three years um, was around from the beginning to take our founder and chairman, Dr. Tony Dale's idea and bring it to life. I think when I, I met him through a board member I'd worked with previously and, um, you know, he had done his research and development on this idea in another company and, and he was ready to take it into a new enterprise. And mm. I was there to kind of, okay, we better go incorporate and pick a name and right. go from there. And it, it's been an amazing ride, the best role I've ever been in. I would say that Every role that I've had up to this point was to prepare me for this one. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what Sidera does, because you've got a very unique positioning in the market. Sure. Um, Sidera is a medical cost sharing community. Mm. So people come and join our community to share their medical bills. And what we do is we provide a non-insurance um, approach to healthcare. So instead of getting a um, you know, a, 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 an insurance plan through a Blue Cross Blue Shield or United Healthcare or Cigna or Aetna or any of those um, those uh, companies that are well known. You join a community of people of like-minded individuals that are willing to share each other's medical bills. If you've got a bill, you can submit it to the community, and then mm. the community will fully share that bill. Um, and it's mem individual members working together. John. You know, John's got a medical need and Bill will send his $300 to John. And, mm. and, um, and we do that in a highly automated sort of way for this member to member sharing. And we work with small businesses and individuals all around the country. Uh, today, I think we've got about 26,000 members uh, in about 48, 49 states. Um, and there's just a lot of people who are frustrated with the cost of healthcare or had a healthcare solution from their employer and they're no longer with that employer and they're, mm. and they're looking for a cost effective solution and they'll be able to come on board Sidera at maybe 50 to 60% savings over health insurance. Wow. That's awesome. And I think you work very closely with the C12 group, right? Uh, I do. I, mm -hmm. We do. I'm, you know, uh, been a member of C12 now off and on since Sidera started. I wasn't aware of uh, C12 until um, I started this journey with Sidera. And it's been such a, an amazing blessing to be part of this organization. Yeah, yeah. I just had my C12 meeting yesterday over... Yes over uh, Zoom. Uh, right, we did right. That, yes, uh, we all are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was a great meeting. Great, great meeting yeah. to share uh, with everything that's going on in the world right now. But uh, C12 has been, you know, just um, to be able to to talk with fellow CEOs about mm -hmm. um, what's going on and 
Some of them are clients. I mean, we've got a good number of C12 companies that are, are, are members of the Sidera medical cost sharing community. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been wonderful to be a part of an organization like sure C12. Has. Yeah, terrific. I and know you is, feel the same way. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I was part of the founding member up here in C12 with uh, Bill Jolly, who I know was uh, involved oh, with Sidera yeah. uh, for, for a while. His wife ended up getting, I think, another job and they took over her health care plan from what I understand. But, uh, you know, he spoke very highly about it. In fact, that's when I first heard about it when Bill was sharing his background with you. Is is Sidera, you know, uh, officially a faith-based company? Is that integrated into your core values and um, your mission? Well, it's definitely, so the way I would describe it is Sidera was started by some uh, very strong believers mm -hmm. um, uh, that, but our mission um, is to make medical cost sharing open to everyone and not to be a matter of faith. And so mm, medical right. cost sharing uh, has been around since the 1980s, but it has specifically been in these various uh, faith communities. And, they, right. and, and the vast majority of these sharing communities do a really great job for their members. But Tony, our founder, Dr. Yeah. Tony Dale, and myself and others that kind of helped launch Sidera all felt very strongly that our calling, our mission from the Lord was this shouldn't be a matter of faith and we should be an example of, 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 of a community of working together, a biblical sharing um, amongst each other, regardless of what someone believes. And so if someone wants to join the community, we're not asking them any faith questions at all. We're, we're, we take a broader approach to membership. Yes, you have to agree to certain things, right. um, healthy lifestyle, and you know we want you to care about your healthcare, and we want you to be an active participant. We don't, you know, you you have to do extra things to be part of the community. Yeah, um, you know, to get that savings, we need um, our members to take an active role in the shopping of non-emergent healthcare emergencies. Go where you want to go. Right. Um, uh, you know, but we do need our members to do certain things. But it's not a matter of faith and by design. Mm -hmm, we're not mm -hmm. asking people about that. Yeah. And is Tony still involved in the business, the original founder? Tony is actively involved. He's yeah. our chairman of the board. And right. I, I talk to Ch Tony every week, if not multiple times a week. He His wealth of experience in met, um, healthcare economics um, is incredibly beneficial to our company in its early years. And, mm. and now as we continue to grow and expand, uh, Tony's also the chairman of the board of his other company, the Keras Group. So Tony's a busy, a bi very busy guy right. involved with mission work and all sorts of just amazing projects. Uh, but time with Tony is that our team has is incredible, is every single time a, a, an incredible benefit to the organization, to the community. Well, let's just take a couple of minutes as a sidebar, because I'm sure you and Tony have had several conversations about the coronavirus and how it's impacting your families, your communities, your 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 work staff, as well as your customers. You know, what's how do you kind of boil it down for us? What do you see in this? And, you know, kind of what's your perspective on, you know, how this might even change uh, healthcare moving forward? Well, you know, it's, if for the last two weeks, uh, it seems like every day something has shifted. Uh, and in some days it's been uh, in a credible uh, shifting of things that have been going on in this country and frankly, the world. Um, first and foremost, we, we, um, we are, we're a team. The Sidera team is, is we're in the business of service and serving our members. Right. But if we're not in good shape and we're not healthy, we can't serve our members. So we took a, you know, uh, very quickly, we took some actions to safeguard uh, 
our employees and their families, and we shut our office down, um, put everybody on remote working. We were fortunate that we were set up to to operate this way. You know, we don't have a, we're set up for remote working. Um, Some teams worked remotely from time to time already. How many total employees do you? About 75 now. 75, yeah, right. So we were pretty well positioned um, to support this type of work. Mm. Um, Obviously, when you, you, there are times though, it's really helpful to be able to jump into a conference room and discuss something. Right. And and you can't do that right now and for good reason. Um, So there there have been some shifts. So, but but, uh, number one, we wanted to make sure that the people who were taking care of our members were okay. So we yeah. did, we took care of that rem- We We jumped into remote working, hundred percent remote working. So that was step one. Step two um, is we started kind of picking up the pace and communication with our members about right. COVID-19. Um, you know, is and how Sidera, many members does Sidera have today? Sidera's got about 26,000, wow. 27,000 members around the country. And wow. so, but I mean, everybody's concerned. I mean, how can you not be concerned yeah. every time you turn on the news and right. whether you're going directly to the CDC's website or CNN or Fox News, whatever. Opening your inbox. Right? Opening many, your email how inbox. How many COVID-19 right. emails have you gotten today, Jim? Uh, I mean, probably 30. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, maybe 30. Two weeks. <laughs> yeah, 30, 30 since we started this call. That, you know, you and I <laughs> exactly. started talking. Exactly. Um, but, uh, pe- but people want to... People People are people are scared, and course, they they yeah. want to know the latest information. And things are changing so quickly. And so we the, the the next thing we did was pick up the pace of communication with our members that say, "Hey, we're here. We're here to support you. We've taken these steps to 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 safeguard our employees. But you need to call us. Let us know. We expanded our office hours so people could contact us by chat over the weekend uh, for a period of time over the weekend, which I think members appreciated. Right. Um, we built some specific COVID nineteen resources with one of our yeah. partners so that they could act. They could so our members at no additional charge could talk to a uh, an expert on COVID nineteen or you know a virologist. It's part of our a part of our product is we bring in an expert second opinion service, and so they they have this offering where. There's a there's a help desk and where member our members can can access the latest information on COVID nineteen just as part of their standard membership. So we right. rolled that out. It's just really staying in touch with people yeah. and let them know that they're you know we're here for them when they need us. Do you see some structural changes you know moving forward as uh, you think about your offering and or you know kind of uh, <laughs> how we go about living our lives? I mean, this won't be the last virus, right? We know that no. there's more of these coming. It's kind of a, a state of our 21st living, I think, huh? 21st century living. I think you're right. I think the changes will not only happen in healthcare, but it'll happen in uh, society. Um, right. You know, it's hard to imagine going to a music festival with 50,000 people right now or yes, any time in the near exactly. future. Or even a movie theater for that. Uh, or even a movie theater. You know, and, Netflix and, is doing a great business from what I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure they are. Um, and 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 so I, I do think this is going to change things. Yes. Um, you know, the trend for virtual medicine um, if you Teledoc. look at Teladoc mm-hmm. or, yeah, yeah. or, you know, and those are, pri- those are primary care visits and episodic primary care visits, right. but even what's called virtual primary care where you, your principal doctor Brant, might be somebody who doesn't live in your off in, right. live in your area that you yeah. never see in person. That's right. And so yeah. you go, you, you know, um, there's a number, a growing number of our members that have their primary care physician, the main person they see happens to be available by text, phone, and video chat. Right. Um, right. And I use, 
uh, my direct primary care doctor that I use, and uh, you know, I pay a subscription to see him, uh, and that's an that's an awesome uh, I would you know way to 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 um, to obtain healthcare. Right. Um, I, I get a lot of value from, but right now he's had to shut his office down mm. because of COVID-19. So how right. do I interact with him if I yeah. need him? Yeah. I can text him. I can call him. I can video chat with him. He can call in prescriptions for me. He can order lab tests and I can do it anything that I need to do, but it's a different way of, yeah. of purchasing the healthcare that we all need. And so I think that the trend that has been already going on of virtual healthcare will be accelerated mm. because of this, this situation. I totally agree. And I'm seeing it in my business too, Jamie, you know, work-life balance, of course, is what we've called it for the last 10 or 15 years, where we've had many more remote workers. Some companies embrace it, some haven't. Now that those that haven't have to embrace it. Um, I'm in the midst of two or three searches now at the moment. And I've told my clients, look, we can continue with this, but you have to be faced with the reality that everything is going to be done remotely, including you hiring of this person with right. you out potentially meeting him uh, or her um, and being willing to be able to take that gamble. And I've actually, I've got a C12 client that uh, we're on that path today. And, you know, um, and there's a lot of advantages to that. You know, why does a CFO who currently lives with his family in St. Louis, <laughs> has to pick up and move to San Francisco, right? Where he's got two to three times the cost. Kids are in high school and it'll, you know, probably tr triple his salary just to be down the hall from a 60 plus year old CEO. You know, that CEO has got to say, you know what? I think I'll keep that CFO in San in St. Louis. <laughs> it's not a yeah. bad thing. Right. And uh, we're seeing some trends already and we're trying to kind of get out ahead of that as well. That, you know, remote hiring, uh, obviously the remote interviewing process is already fairly well developed, but the remote hiring, even without a personal interview, I think is is now a sign of our times. And, you know, keep the sales guy in, in Austin, keep the CFO in St. Louis. There's a lot of benefits for everyone to do that. And, you know, the, the cold reality of it is, and this is what I'm finding with a lot of folks who are now working uh, at home versus, you know, I've done, been doing it for 10 or 15 years, is they actually work a lot more. You know, <laughs> they put a lot more hours in. And whether yeah. that's good or bad, that certainly does help productivity over time. You know, getting structure around it's important. But uh, yeah, I think there's going to be just some real, real significant workplace changes. So anyway, thank you. Right. Thank you. I think for you're your, right for your perspective on that. T tell us, shifting back a little bit, tell us a little bit about kind of how your leadership has changed. What, what, what would you say is, you know, kind of the evolution of your leadership over time now that you're in the corner office? You know, I, I would describe my leadership style as, as um, kind of player coach. Um, mm -hmm. I, I put a, a great deal of focus and effort on the hiring process. Um, I, I've been burned, frankly, of make, not investing enough there and putting either having the wrong person for our organization or more likely the wrong person for the wrong, the right, a really great person in the wrong chair on the bus. Right. And, and, um, and so for me, you know, as I, as I'm working and building out a team and, you know, I was, I was employee number one and now yeah. we are at 75. Um, you know, we, we made a few mis missteps along the way and I trace it all back to, um, to, to not spending and investing enough time on the hiring process. We, um, we, inve we, 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 it started to cause a problem in sales hires. Mm. And we, we went through about three sales hires where it just wasn't working. And we brought in somebody to kind of help raise our game in the, in the hiring process around salespeople specifically. And it, it, it made a huge difference, mm. but, um, mm. Um, but, uh, but anyway, as far as my management style, I, I like getting involved with, 
people. I do a one-on-one with all of my direct reports every week for 45 minutes. Um, and I find that to be incredibly useful. Um, the remote working is a bit of a challenge in the, from a cultural perspective right. and keeping people in, in touch and feeling like we're together in a team. But the, even the one, even doing the one-on-ones remotely, like people are having to do today and, and seeing each other over video chat still is very, very effective. It is. Yeah. 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 It's been awesome. What, what would you say is kind of unique or, or perhaps unusual about the Sidera culture? It's I, the way I think I the way I would describe the Sidera culture is, um, p- very passionate about a, the mission and what we're trying to accomplish. Mm. Um, we are. I think, you know, we've, we've done a really good job so far and it gets harder as we continue to grow to keep this atmosphere of like, Hey, we're all in this together, trying to serve the community. And we all just, you know, want to, we're going to work hard together. We're going to have fun together. We're going to treat people with respect mm. and, and, um, and, you know, we may not always disagree, uh, we may not always agree on a particular topic, but, um, you know, we're going to get to a solution and move forward. There is no lack of passion on the, about healthcare in our offices. And so (laughs) if anything, there's too many opinions, but I would far rather that than apathy. Um, uh, you know, if I, I think we've done, one of the things we've done really well is people are bought in for the, the vast majority of our team. And gosh, I can't think of a single person who isn't is just so focused on the mission at hand mm. because, they, and I think part of that is just because of the industry we, we're, we're in. We've yeah, seen yeah. so many people hurt either financially or otherwise due to not having enough options in healthcare. Look, health insurance is great. We just believe people should have more options, not less when it comes right. to their healthcare choices. And Sidera is not great for everybody, uh, but I'm going to say it works for eight to nine out of 10 people, but it's not 10 out of 10 people. Right. And, and our, we're just, we want to be the new normal in healthcare. We want to, this space is desperately needed. New ideas in the space are desperately needed. And we think our solution uh, is part of it. And our, that's, and, and that's what our, our team feels. And it's, and um and so I think that's a, that's a really wonderful thing for us. What do you look for when you're making bets on the people you uh, invest in and hire? You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, the, the, the three areas that I'm looking for and this, I, you know, and they're not my ideas that I stole them from Patrick Lencioni, if you're familiar oh, with sure. him. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love to have folks that are emotionally intelligent. They can yeah. read the members of their team, they, they, you know, they can, they, they know how to, commu- they're really good communicators, both, ver- both, both verbal and nonverbal. Mm. And so that emotional intelligence is, is really, really important. Um, you know, we're looking for people who are, have really strong work ethic. One of my favorite words in the dictionary is persistence. Mm. Nothing in the world takes the place of persistence. Right. Um, right. And so once somebody who's got an engine for, and you know, it gets into that passion for what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, and then the third thing is humility, right? Look, mm. I'm, I'm learning every day. I make mistakes every single day. Um, if a project goes well, I'm sure it could have gone better. Uh, I have no interest in blame. I'm, I'm just focused on, uh, and I try to, to have our team feel this way that, hey, that was great. Okay, let's on to the next. What can we do better the next time around? And right. so, and then when we do mess, make a mistake, Let's own it, learn from it, and move yeah, on. Move on. 
Yeah, awesome. Well, Jamie, time has just flown by, uh, but we do have one last question that we ask all our CEO guests, and that's, you know, what career and life advice would you give to someone who has their eyes on the corner office and perhaps wants to join you there someday? You know, it's, I, I would say that um, if I could go back, another way of asking this question would be, what would I tell myself, mm. <laughs> for, you know, from, tw- you know, the, the, the 21, 25 year old version of me? And the number one piece of advice I would give would be that your education plan doesn't end when you get your degree. Um, and I, I think back at all the time that I had um, when, before I was married and before I had three young boys that were now homeschooling as of yesterday, mm, right. um, and, uh, which is a whole, that could be a podcast yeah, that's, in that's and of itself. Podcast. That's a whole, we won't go there, but, but, you know, I think that's this taking this uh, always learning approach, uh, things are changing so fast. And I, yeah, I just, yeah. you know, when, so when I hear about a candidate, that is, hey, I, you know, I, I went and did this or I did this online class and they didn't have to do it, but they mm. did it. Boy, I'm that that right there almost moves the resume into the next pile. Yeah. Uh, that exciting. characteristic alone. So that yeah. that would be the number one piece of advice yeah. I would give. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jamie Lagarde, CEO of Sidera Health, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office today. Brand, thank you so much for the time and uh, stay safe and healthy and look forward to catching up soon. Same to you and your family. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.go4roi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 